Willow Creek Springs presents Healthy Living with your host, Joe Grumbine. Hello, I am Joe Grumbine and welcome to the Healthy Living Podcast brought to you by Willow Creek Springs. And um, we're going to jump right on into it today. We have a new guest today. Her name is Jennifer Sweeney. And uh, she's going to be sharing a little bit about herself and um, her experiences and what she thinks about healthy living. Jennifer, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, um, you know, it's kind of interesting. Most of the time, um, sorry, I'm trying to talk and do something at the same time, which just never works well for me. I'm a simple guy. There we go. Now we can see the real me and where I really am. And now you don't have to worry about me floating in and out of the world here. Okay. Uh, most of the guests that I have on, I have a, a relationship with that in my healthy living journal journey, um, I've I've come upon. And you're one of the handful that have come to me sort of um, as a result of the work we're doing. So uh, right. we had a newspaper article about the Gardens of Hope, and that's heavily involved with this project of healthy living. We started talking, and uh, it seemed like you have a wealth of experience, and I thought you'd be a fantastic guest. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what brings you here? Um, what brings me here is my foundation, which is called Take a Second Look Educational Foundation. Um, I uh, was a teacher for 24 years, mostly in the primary grades. Um, so I have seen all kinds of family situations across different socioeconomic statuses. Um, I, I think like most of us have some dysfunction in their family. I have more than some in my family. Um, my first career was as a biologist and a scientist, and I have always had a um, love for neuroscience. So as I traveled, became a teacher in my 40s and um, traveled through the education world, I felt that there was a need for regular people, I guess I would just call everyday people to understand what is going on in uh, someone's brain when they're making a choice that we sort of think, yeah, that wasn't the best choice. So I did some more research to try and figure out um, what was going on there. And um, my mission with my foundation, I speak for free at no cost. Um, I can do Zoom or in person. And I want people to understand what's going on in someone's brain, how um, their childhood experiences inform the choices they make as an adult. Wow. I so you just unpacked a whole lot there. Let's go back into a little bit of it. Okay. Um, and and so first of all, as a teacher, um, you're, you're talking generally K through eight is what when. For me, my teaching was most only K through two. K through two. Oh, wow. Okay. So when you're talking yeah. about kids, you're talking about real little kids. Early That's primary. Kind of cool. yeah. That's sort of my best zone of kids that, you know, probably K through eight. I think I, I really just identify with, I think I'm still one of them, <laughs> but the, the, the thing that's interesting about that. So you're in the public school system. 
Yes. And there wasn't anything like uh, it wasn't a special needs situation. It wasn't a no. an affluent place. It was just a regular old cookie cutter, you know, PS 182 sort of a situation. Well, some of the one of the schools I taught at was definitely low income. Okay. Um, and um, the school that I retired from was. Uh, well, you know, the pandemic took a toll on families, mm -hmm. so it's becoming more of a mix. Um, but yeah, so all socioeconomic statuses, but, um, I think some people have the mistaken idea that this is only people who are in poverty that have these issues right. and it's people across the board. Absolutely. I, I, I've been able to spend my life with people of all sorts of uh, situations, socioeconomic, uh, race, religion, creed, you name it. I, I've been around it. And the thing that I've learned is everybody's the same. It doesn't matter. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's cultural differences and there's, right. there, there's, there's differences. But humanity, I, I think if you did a blind, you know, man in the cave study of things and didn't know what your input was, you would be wrong every time you you just can't guess it if you scramble the voices a little bit right uh, you know it's interesting because i i'm going through a process we're all going through a process right where we're all deeply flawed human beings and we all come up from messed up family lives and if we think our family is perfect we're probably burying the worst of it all so right. uh, that's exactly right i in my opinion and this is just an opinion People who think they have it all together are the people who are burying the most. Exactly what you said. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and so I'll, I'll be the first to admit I'm as screwed up as they come. But part of that is recognizing it and saying, well, I had the potential to be better. So let's put an effort in. And that's what right. this show's all about is let's let's learn from each other and and our mistakes and the mistakes we've seen and and the things that work and 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 let's raise each other up. And that's really what's underneath all of this. So in my journey, I'm going through beginning to tell my story of, of my life. And, you know, mm -hmm. I'm 57 and lived a pretty robust life. And so I'm looking back going, and it's funny because some of the first memories I have are, are in that age bracket you're talking about. I remember my kindergarten school teacher. I remember my first grade school teacher. I remember my second grade school teacher. And I, I recognize from my memories that I must have been in a really transformative and um, I don't know if influential, but influenced um, age bracket, you know, right. like I, I, I was influenced and looking back going, there were these people in my life that I remember their names and everybody else I didn't. So clearly some people had, um a, a, an impact on my on my future and fortunately for me I don't think any of them were sinister I think I don't know that they were good or bad teachers but they they weren't I don't think they messed me up anyways I right so that's um, a good thing most of the childhood experiences that will um in the, the, the childhood experiences that will impact you the most as an adult will happen in your home, will not happen um, at school. Uh, but there are um, there are definitely influences in the classroom. 
as you said. So when you're a teacher and you've got, I don't know, 20, 30 kids, I don't know what the average classroom size is anymore. When I was a kid, I think we probably had 20, 25 kids in a classroom. And um, there was always, you know, you break a group apart and there's always the the one that's the show off and the one that's always, you know, loud and extroverted, if you will. And then there's most of them that kind of, I don't know. Right. Sort so of blend in. And then you got yeah. the few that are the real quiet, shy ones. What do you make from all that? So what you're looking at there is obviously this is very obvious statement. Everyone has a nervous system. At any one time, your nervous system can be regulated or dysregulated. So when your nervous system is dysregulated, all your nervous system, all your brain is looking for is safety. Mm. If your nervous system is regulated, then you're, you feel safe. Got it. Now, one thing I wanted to bring up, because you talked about the quiet kids who were in the back. Um, and as a teacher, we love those quiet kids who <laughs> got work done and were not disruptive. However, those kids can be in a trauma response called <laughs> the freeze response. And that doesn't mean that these kids have a regulated nervous system. It just means that what they're feeling now in the classroom, their response, and they probably learn this at home, is to freeze and watch. And sometimes they're just watchers and they watch the behavior and they keep tabs on things, but they're always on edge. But you won't know that because they sort of keep that to themselves. The ones who disrupt the classroom, those are the ones that it's obvious their nervous systems are dysregulated. Um, so what I'd like what I'd like to do is make sure people understand that choices anyone makes that you might question or think that's not really a mature choice, even if the person is 45, they're making that choice from a dysregulated nervous system that only wants, is only seeking a sense of safety. And that we can go into in another podcast because that's a little bit complicated. Sure, sure. But basically, if you uh, put your fist up, let me see if I, I can't really turn it. Do you see my thumb inside there? So if this is your brain, this is your brain stem going down to your spine. Um, your thumb is inside and your thumb is what we call your amygdala. And the amygdala is your primitive brain. So um, these fingers here, this that are be, this is be, the brain behind your forehead. These fingers represent the prefrontal cortex. The prefrontal cortex governs language, executive function where you're thinking, hmm, if I do X, then Z will happen. Um, your prefrontal cortex, did I say it? Uh, governs language. So it, you can't always articulate your thoughts and your feelings. So when this amygdala inside feels unsafe, it takes over the brain. It basically, the prefrontal cortex goes offline. This is where the term flipping your lid comes from. And when the prefrontal cortex is offline, your amygdala is in control and all it wants is a sense of safety. Um, and so simply what's happening is the prefrontal cortex is offline. There are lots of techniques to bring it back online. And I've started incorporating some ideas for that into um, my talks. Nice. Something that you're doing with your horticulture therapy mm -hmm. is 
Perfect example. There's lots of things out of the box. I have a list of about 50 different things. And each person has to find what works for them to bring their nervous system back online. Right. Um, so I think this is foundational before you go into something like, tell me what you're feeling or talk therapy. You have to have a regulated nervous system in order to get something out of talk therapy because a dysregulated nervous system is not going to be able to focus in talk so, therapy, not going so to be able to tell you. Saying that we're, we're in one state or another. We're in a, a state where we're okay, if you will. And and so regulated. Our, our thinking brain gets to do its job and, and make decisions or we're not okay and we're unregulated or dysregulated and we're basically in survival mode trying to get away yeah. from the tiger that's chasing us. Yep. And when that's yep. happening, we're not thinking right in our normal state. So there's two issues. Well, there's probably more than two issues, but there's two issues that are glaring right away. One is if you spot somebody that you go, oh, wow, you know, I think they're in a amygdala state they're in their lizard brain you know it's like talking to a, a a drunk person or somebody who just is not connected you can't talk to them right because you're not able to communicate your prefrontal cortex that's that's communicating language with a lizard brain that's just going oh i gotta get out of here so that's one thing is is recognizing that you're you have this human being that's in a in a troubled state that you have to connect with then second of all you you've got to find some way to bridge that gap and connect with them so and, and i know that there's a lot to talk about but those two things just jump out to me as a teacher now i gotta think that most teachers probably aren't thinking along that line and they just deal with you know kids i know my teacher i had all kinds of <laughs> i was one of those gifted kids and um you know, that posed a lot of problems before Ritalin came around because we were always moving around and, and, and you know, we were not uh, easily entertained or we were easily entertained for a short period of time, but we didn't have a long attention span. And we were right. always wanting to yap and try new things and read and all right. these crazy things. But for me, I didn't ever, I don't think I came from a, 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 a such a dysfunctional family. I mean, we're all our families were dysfunctional, but the level of dysfunction in my family, I don't feel looking back anyways, that I was in a state of danger or I didn't feel that. I was more, I think, trying to fit in because I didn't feel like I was like the other kids because I was doing things they weren't doing and I didn't know what they, you know, I didn't understand. So I, I acted out or, you know, was a loud, obnoxious little kid, I think. Right. In a lot of ways, just to get some kind of acceptance or recognition. Um, and I'm sure there's all levels of, you know, a spectrum of that that goes wildly from the kid that's being horrifically uh, abused to the kid that's just feels a little out of sorts. Um, and I think probably most teachers, you know, they're just doing their job, trying to maintain a house and keep order and not not let anybody get hurt, do your job and try to teach your kids a few things. But it seems like you had a more um, 
a deeper connection, a deeper understanding, maybe more of a calling to do more than you had to. Um, and how do you how do you deal with that? How do you reckon with that? Well, um, first of all, I want to say I taught for 24 years and I certainly did not have this wisdom at the beginning of my teaching. It was something I came to later on and that even after I've retired, I've grown deeper in it. Um, and that you're right, that teachers don't know a lot about this. Um, basically, if you're a teacher, you know that 95% of your job is classroom management. Um, but a lot of times the things that we are given, the tools that we are given are curriculum based. Mm -hmm. And that will flow naturally if you can get your students' nervous systems regulated. So going back to what you're saying, if you are um, presented with someone whose nervous system is dysregulated, that could be a child, that could be a teenager, that could be an adult. You have to have personal safety first. So, um, uh, you know, I had someone ask me on a different Zoom, well, what if someone, you know, if there's domestic abuse and someone is beating up on you, should you try, try to regulate their nervous system? Obviously not. Obviously you need to leave the home, get yourself safe, call the police, whatever. However, with someone you're close to or who's, or a child or whose nervous system is not so dysregulated because there's different degrees of uh, nervous system dysregulation, you can try to co-regulate. Uh, you can do that with your voice. You can do that. You can turn off the lights like in the classroom towards the end of my career. I only had half of the fluorescent lights on because they're kind of harsh. And the kids could still see because their eyes were nice and sharp. Right. I had a little trouble seeing, but they could see fine. Sure. Um, so the, there's a million different scenarios where you might try to help a person's nervous system become regulated. And I can't address all of those, sure. but some of the techniques that um, I would uh, teach about are simple things that you can do or things that you can suggest, but it all depends upon the context of you uh, interacting with that person. Um, if, you know, just to, Go with your example, if you have a garden in the backyard mm -hmm. and you have a little four-year-old who's having a meltdown, say, hey, let's go outside and let's plant some seeds. Let's see if we can see any rabbits. Right. Let's count the leaves on this bush. Let's mm -hmm. take a walk, you know, things like that. Um, yeah. So there are a myriad. Go ahead. No, I was saying like when somebody is um, in, a, in a state where you go, oh, oh they're, they're not connected. So once you... Once you become aware of this dysregulated state, you you can't become unaware of it. So you spot it now where before you saw, wow, there's something wrong, but I don't know what to do. It's almost like, you know, the old uh, um, in an old movie in the you know 30s and 40s, the 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 frantic woman gets her face smacked and comes out of it. Right. And that, yeah. really, that's a horrible example. But the idea of a dramatic redirection yes. which, which can go from violent and inappropriate like smacking your face to very reasonable and very appropriate to hey let's go and look at this other thing over here and and just get your mind out of it and maybe a simple sort of a reset um can bring out that cognitive uh prefrontal cortex again is that we, and we could saying? do a whole bunch of different podcasts on that. That could be a, a whole podcast or two podcasts in and of itself. 
Absolutely. Because of the varying degrees of the nervous system dysregulation. I have a son who lives in New York, and I remember one time um, seeing a person on the subway, and it's actually more than one time, obviously dysregulated nervous system. But, you know, we were getting off and we were going to our museum or our restaurant, and I made no attempt to help regulate that person. Um, That was not my responsibility. Um, But again, I had compassion for that person. So my goal with my uh, uh, foundation is for people who don't understand what's going on in everyone's nervous systems to understand what's going on in their nervous systems and develop more compassion. I I think that could put an end to so many problems that we have. I agree. And and we really have a few minutes left of this conversation. And I like to keep this to be more of an introductory episode as we get deeper into topics in future episodes. But let's talk about your foundation for a second, because I, okay. I'm really interested. Like, I know I, I run a couple of nonprofits and it takes a lot of passion and heart to go and bring to life a, a, a business entity with a altruistic sort of a mission to go and try to make the world a little better you gotta you generally have to have a whole lot of of feeling and passion about that and I'm wondering you know where you're coming from I mean most nonprofits and most organizations are really either one person or what I call the fab four there's never generally more than four people involved in making anything happen in the world it seems right and so, um, you know, you're obviously the the prime mover of this of this uh, foundation. So, you know, how did you get from I'm a teacher, I'm aware of now this, um, you know, physiological, neurological uh, condition that we all are dealing with at one time or another, there's nobody that's immune to this. And we've all been in a disassociative state at one point or another, because right. I live here on the planet and it's, it's a messed up place. Um, so how did you get from, I'm the light bulb comes on and you become aware probably of something that, like you said, you became aware of you and how you were dealing with something and you're like, Oh, wow. This has to do with this other thing. And then you notice something similar in somebody else. And then you became, you know, it sort of compounded into this understanding and maybe even understanding how if I do this, maybe that can happen. Right. How did you go from that all the way to I'm going to do something that other people can now benefit from? Um, it didn't seem like such a big jump to me. The way you're describing it, I'm, it sounds very momentous, but it was sort of like, <laughs> how can I get the message out? So right. basically, it's just me. Um, I speak to different groups, like I said, in person or on Zoom, trying to get the word out. Um, I've done a book study on Zoom with um, Dr. Perry and Oprah's book, What Happened to You, um, which changes, flips the question from what's wrong with you to what happened to you. Nice. Love that. Um, there's a couple other books I have in mind that I want to do a book study with on Zoom. And I post those on social media. Um, I'm not yet a not-profit, non- non-profit um, because I don't really know that I need any money. Um, so I, uh, as far as traveling- It's a lot easier if you don't have to go down that road. 
That's what I have. That's what I have tried tried and find. And you know, you have a place. You need support. You need financial support. Yeah. So in terms of like, if someone wanted me to speak in person and in Minnesota because I'm in California, we'd have to discuss that. Um, Discuss travel expenses. But as far as my time, that's a donation. Okay. Um, I just what I I I think uh, everybody at every level of life, the cashiers at Target, um, waiters and waitresses. Everybody needs to understand this. Um, even if you don't deal with the public, you have a family and there might be children, you know, children and adults in the family. Um, so I, I I really think the whole entire world needs to hear this message. And so I'm little by little trying to get it out. And um, it's just kind of moving along a little slow, but that's fine. Well, I love it. I love it. Well, listen, um, I'm going to I'm going to capture one. Thing you said and we'll carry it on into the next episode if we can and that's a simple saying that i just love or i can't stand actually it's what's wrong with you you know yeah. and and i had it said to be a million times and i've said it to people a million times yeah and it's not the right question to ask and i think that that was a really good i apparently there was a book written on it and you you keyed in on that but i think that that's a that's a great question and a great place to start because I think that, I mean, there, although there are things wrong with all of us because we're human, um, that addressing it that way is generally not getting to the heart of the issue whatsoever. So um, we're going to wrap this episode up. And at the end of every episode, I'd like to give my guests an opportunity um, to, to pitch yourself a little bit. So why don't you give us a little bit about how somebody could reach you and um, okay. Let me bring this up. I should have done that. Um, so there is a link to uh, my website. It's basically on a mission dot bio on a mission, all one word forward slash take dash a dash second dash look. Um, and I think probably when you post the blog, you might be able to post that. Um, yeah, and, it'll, it's it's in your uh, your bio. The link is in your bio. So when somebody goes to okay. see who you are, they'll be able okay. to access it right Perfect. off the top there. Yeah, absolutely. And so fill it out, um, which Joe did and told me, you know, what he wanted uh, to talk about. And we talked on the phone or talked on Zoom. And then we set the podcast up. Um but I can speak to women's groups, church groups, uh, Rotary, um, PTA, parent groups, um, high school groups, even middle school groups. Because I taught early elementary, I can even make this simple enough to teach, to do a little presentation in an elementary classroom. Um, oh, my gosh. So many people, I think, need to hear this message that do you have a group. A quilting group. I don't know. Then I can I can speak. I can talk. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's how we came to to find each other. We're both looking for uh, community building and message uh, uh, message building. And uh, I think that uh, you definitely fit well into this. Um, thank you for joining us. You're and, welcome. Uh, this has been another episode of the Healthy Living Podcast brought to you by Willow Creek Springs. I'm Joe Grumbine, and uh, we will see you next time. Thank you, Jennifer.